welcome to another week of in the abyss um as we're sort of heading into uh what's probably going to be the darkest winter of our lifetime certainly in the uk um i don't know what's like around the rest of the world but it's an absolute shower of shit here but we're not talking about politics this week it's banned because we've, we've got a guest who's not going to be fucking interested in british politics so um let's 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 introduce him because it doesn't matter how shit things get We've always got metal, so let's 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 stick with the metal this week. No fucking politics, no Tories, none of that nonsense. You can have your soapbox back next week. So joining us uh, is a guy called John Lambert from Noise Dosage Media, uh, who's responsible for a YouTube documentary called Between Exaltation and Aggression, uh, an extreme strike death metal documentary, um, and it it is what it says on the tin. So we'll talk about that in a bit. John, welcome, welcome to our humble little podcast. Hell yeah. I appreciate uh, you having me on and uh, I loved your intro. That was amazing. <laughs> like anything weather wise when it comes to, to where I'm at. Oh man, I could go on and on. I got to like shovel out cars for like a couple months, man. Like it's, it's brutal out here too. So sometimes it, it, it rains here. Uh, and yeah. and that's, that's, that's about it. We, we might get an inch of snow. So so. I'm kind of hoping that if I ever go on one of those 7,000 tons of metal cruise ships, that they like leave me out in paradise or something, you know, like just just leave me out there. There was an awesome video from one of those. I think it was, I think it may have been last year or might have been before COVID. And it was, it was Slayer playing on an outdoor stage on the cruise ship. And there was a fucking, (laughs) there was a fucking (laughs) hurricane going on and it was chucking down the rain and it was gale force winds and it, it just looked the most metal fucking thing I've ever seen. Isn't just isn't that the um the video to seasons in the abyss though? <laughs> well, paradise. <laughs> when they, no, no. When they when they're on that barge, and be, they're being rowed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kitchens, yeah. Yeah. Oh, quality video. Yeah, man. It's uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be quite happy just to live in the paradise as long as I've, I've got something to listen to. Then that's that's fine <laughs> with me. Um, so talking of that, let's let's kick off what we normally do. What we've been listening to this week, the many gems, and and John, as as the guest, you can go first. What's been uh, what you've been spinning this week? Uh, man, I've been into uh, uh, tribal gaze recently. I mean, yes. they. I'm assuming that you guys have listened to them. What do you guys think? Just recently. Very okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Um, you know, they're a band that I saw recently at a show. Uh, they were kind of like an opener. I didn't know about them. And they just like blew the lid off of like something that I've, I don't know. They were just so heavy, man. They blew yeah. the lid off of just something that I haven't really heard in a long time, man. Just like something that kind of took me back. Where I was like, wow, like you don't have to be like this super, super fast band, but they have like this groove to them, you know super heavy and uh yeah I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that people should check out tribal gaze and um they yeah made, they made me think of like classic obituary it's that kind of stomping death metal isn't it? It just yeah kind of, it, it's, it's a very pounding record that they yeah. just released the newest one so uh yeah everybody check them out what are you guys into recently yeah, I, I, I've, I've been listening to that, funny enough, the last couple of weeks. Um, weirdly, I've been listening to a lot of Man of War this week, which goes against all my principles. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but I have quite enjoyed it, to be honest. Wait, what, which one? Warriors of the World? 
No, no, no. Earlier than that, we're going back to you know the, the very early days of Man of War when it was proper dodging some of the worst like cast I've ever heard. Just, this is England or something. Yeah, this is England and before that uh, into Glory Ride, all that kind of shit. But just, I don't know why I did it to myself. I think I was sat in traffic and wanted some disc to listen to. But uh, so that a lot of integrity this week have been listened to. That comes after talking to Chris from Human Nature. Ripped to shreds. John, have you come across them? No, but that sounds pretty heavy. Check them out. Really Ripped cool. Ripped to shreds. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I think their album now has just come out as out on relapse. So it's that kind of thing. Um, it's brutal. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. Uh, some classic trouble and the new Skid Row, which I still think is is the best thing that Skid Row have done in close to thirty years. Dang, I haven't heard of Skid Row in a long time, man. It's good, man. It's it's really good, really good record, worth listening to. Skid Row, put them back on here. The new singer is 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 quality. He's yeah. What's Sebastian Bach doing now? He's not a lot. I wouldn't Is have thought. he still sitting around waiting for another fucking Gilmore Girls special? <laughs> Twat. I, just, I remember the first time my, my my wife was watching that and I was like, I had no interest in it. I used to call it Shitmore Girls because like it's the worst TV show ever made and it's got the worst intro to a TV show as well. And I was like, you know, just looked up and I just saw him on there. I said, what the hell is he doing on a... on a? I don't even know how you classify it. It's just shit. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, my is, wife. Is he that... Is that how low he's sang? It's Canadian, isn't it? Oh, I don't know, mate. I think it, I, th- I think it's it's filmed where my wife used to live in Port Hope. No, no, no. It's that, that, just because it's filmed in Canada doesn't mean to say it's Canadian. I'm sure it's Canadian. I'm sure it's Canadian, but yeah. But no, I don't know what Sebastian Bach's doing. But the guy who's in Skid Row now is is far better than Sebastian Bach. Certainly is that's for sure. So it's it's. It's worth. It's definitely worth a listen. And the songs, it just sounds like classic Skid Row. So give it a listen. Open mind. Yeah, I'll check it out. I wrote it down. <laughs> Anthony, what about you? Uh, the new Shadow of Intent album, Elegy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. Good blend of stuff, really. I mean, it's it's quite accessible. I'm finding. Um, but yeah, a bit of bit of prog. Obviously, bit of death, bit of alt. Um, yeah, just, just enjoying that moment. Quite melodic. Um, decent riffs. Quite evil sounding at time. Scary vocals, man. They're really evil. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben. Ben crushes, man. Uh, definitely enjoying that. So, keep keep coming back. Um, band called Bloody Hammers. Um, not not metal. Um, but, yeah, goth, uh, goth punk sort of. I mean, think Misfits meet White Zombie, I would say. Um, it's good fun. It's nothing, you know, that changes the world, but um, very appropriate for Halloween time. Um, nice and shocky. Um, and Architects, uh, various old stuff recently, and obviously the new album's out today, which is pretty damn solid. Yeah. Um, so that's had a, a good spin so far. So, uh, yeah, be a bit of a diversity for me this week. Have Ar- Architects made it to America? They're, they're kind of a bit more, they used to be, a bit like you know, kind of Dillinger Escape Plan or that kind of thing, but they're a bit more straightforward now. But I don't know if they've made it to the stage yet. They um they play to sort of arena levels here, don't they? But I don't know. I don't know if it'll catch on across the pond or not. But keep an eye for the name because it's probably the next step going to the yeah. states. You have got courses, haven't you? So mm. you know, I mean, them and them and Parkway Drive—they're at that point where 
you know they they can do the arena thing and uh, yeah it's all quite accessible and there's no reason why they can't do one in america but if i haven't yet maybe it's too late yeah see I, you know parkway drive they get a lot of a lot of shit but i, I still think they're good at what they do I, so. I, I don't get why quite frankly they've just got a very classic sound now yeah um there's you know there's stuff that your dad will like in there um not my dad <laughs> You'd be surprised what my dad would be willing to listen to sometimes. It's 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 bizarre, but um, yeah, no, I mean, they they absolutely should be bigger than they actually are right now, but they're doing so well. Um, so yeah. Sorry, John. Yeah, I was just asking yeah. what you think of Parkway Drive. Just oh, uh, Parkway Drive. I don't really listen to them a lot, but I wanted to bring up my love for Shadow and Tap, man. <laughs> they, uh, dude, I don't know what has happened with them within the last couple of years, but like. Uh, they like blew up like popularity wise, which is, you know, that's cool. But like their music has been like, it's like been like a huge evolution. First they were talking about Halo and now they're like doing things that are like, just, I don't know, like touring the world. Like, I think the funniest thing about that band is like, uh, when I talked to Ben, he was like, man, we were just like joking around about playing shows and now it became like our career you know, off of that band, you know, it started as like a joke. And now like they're one of the biggest death core bands around. Um, and I don't even know what to box them in as because there's so I, many. I don't think you can. I mean, when, when you find them on Spotify and, and Apple music and that, get, they get lumped in with the death core, all those bands, but I had a brief listen this week and it's, it's not death core. It's got everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Bands. yeah that's what I mean. I, I would call them like, death metal with like uh modern influences i guess yeah like it's all over the place in a good way you know i think there's a lot of bands now where you can't really get more specific other than extreme metal yeah yeah because it covers so many sort of areas i mean the band the the underground band we had last week i i like called video nasties there's so many sort of different reference points from death metal and black metal and groove metal it's you can't place it but they do all of the things well so it's extreme metal and i think that works as a decent term these days because you know it's not going to be mainstream it's not going to be arena friendly um but yeah they're, they're you know they're potentially diverse in what they do it's just fucking filth <laughs> that's what matters yeah um padre have you had a chance to listen to much um, this week in your busy life I've well, really the the German playlist from last week. So Creator, Sodom, Gravedigger. Um, what else? I did listen to some except. Um, what else? Halloween. So I've just been listening to that German playlist, you know. And then obviously I'll try and listen to a bit more of some of the, the like the full albums and stuff like that. And obviously I watched the documentary, which was that was like having to intersperse that throughout things throughout the week. Um, what else? Uh, I'm actually going to see a band tonight after we finish from <laughs> Catanzaro, which is post hardcore, and I don't know what that is. Is that word post again? Post, I, I, I just don't like it. I'm sorry, I like what, whatever. It's... I mean, we'll see, we'll see what they are. Um, oh, mannequin as well, that Italian oh, band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was like with my uh. With my students, they were they were trying to explain it to me. I was like, I don't know what's going on. They're all right. I mean, I don't know. How would you categorize them? 
They're not really rock and roll. They're just a rock band, aren't they? Yeah. You know. This is um, um John. This is a band who won the Eurovision contest a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. Which rarely happens for rock rock bands, but yeah, it's sleazy, sort of glam rock. I Forget like them. it. No, yeah. Like so it. the the band the band tonight are yeah post hardcore and they're called them. Okay. Them. Yeah. T H E M. Oh, I've heard of them. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No, they've, they've, yeah, I've seen them been flushing about on my social media. So I think they've got some sort of following. My God. We've had this, we've had this long running thing with Padre. We've all known each other over 20 years. We've had this long running thing with Padre that he doesn't listen to music beyond 1994. <laughs> so part of the reason we started this podcast in the first place was to try and bring him into the 21st century. That's we stay in homework every week. That is hilarious. <laughs> Someone explain this to me. What the fuck is post-hardcore? No idea. If it's got I, post, then I'm not interested. Yeah, it's 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 it stems from punk rock. Um, yeah, I know time. that. Um, what's it post? It's, well, it's, it's I think post-punk rock sounded stupid, but of course. Yeah, but is it okay? It, it's where those hardcore bands started basically saying, "Look, can we still have the abrasive?" guitars but a lot more melody and a lot more whinging yeah no um, they all we'll see. with emo and stuff like that there's some good there's some good bands bands like jimmy Eat world are post hardcore but a lot of it's nonsense yeah let's let's get let's get back to proper music i'm not yeah. interested in post hardcore or post metal or post well, you know anything. I, i'm not that into it either but you know i i've got i've got a i'm dining off crumbs here yeah true okay. That's fair. I mean, I've got to take what I can get. I mean, you need to support the scene over there because if no one I goes, do, to the shows, they'll never happen. Well, I mean, in in the space of three weeks, I have become the scene. <laughs> you know, I'm we'll bringing come back to that one. I'm bringing truth to the masses. We will come back to that one. Um, but before we do get to that, let's do our underground band of the week. Have we got a jingle yet? What well, I did this last week, didn't I? So I'll do it again. Twice. Brilliant. That's just fucking amazing. I'll, I'll work. It. I'll work on it. <laughs> I've got if you can throw, if you can throw a couple more blast beats in there, that'll be useful. Um, but yeah, this week's underground band of the week, a band called Iron Tomb. They're from Birmingham in the UK. Uh, they've got an EP out at the moment called Vile Retribution. It's out on Mercenary Press. Another one. Um, so shout out to them. Some good stuff coming out on that label. Uh, it's, 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 it's essentially death metal. You know, it has got a bit of an old school feel to it at times, you know, big risk, but there is a crossover kind of feel to it as well. So if you're into bands like Black Breath, Gate Creeper, Nails, All Pigs Must Die, that kind of thing, you, you, you're going to be into this band very, very early in their career. But I think given the opportunity, they could uh, they could do great things. And they're just another band that's, that's coming out of a really strong um, scene in the UK at the minute for extreme metal. So I'll throw links out on social media this week. Go and have a listen. Go and buy their merch, patches, all that kind of shit. Really hard-working band, and they deserve a shout. So, yeah, go and check them out. Have either of you two had a listen to them? Regulars on this podcast? Uh, not yet. Shame on you. Um, but I know you've been raving about them, so, yeah, that's one for the list. Right, so, yeah, that'll be for this week. So, yeah, go and check them out. Please go and check them out and, uh, and buy their stuff. Um, the EP's out on CD and cassette. I'm sure there'll be a vinyl at some point. And I think they're playing some shows in Birmingham over the next couple of weeks as well. I've got a feeling it might be their first shows. They're supporting um, Sanguis... Sanguis Yeah, really? 
Oh, was this the band you talked about the other day or with a really weird, with, with a ridiculous logo? Yeah, it's not a logo, is it? It's just... It's yeah, just, it's, no, it's just a blob. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever the fuck they're called, that's who they're playing with. So to be fair, that's that's a good show for them to be playing. Unless, you know, they've got a good cult following. No, that, now I think about it, that that's a good blend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I've t- totally forgot that the uh, Sanguisuga guys are like <laughs> going across the pond. And they're breaking out of the United States. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever heard anything like that band. They're they're they're, they're fucking crazy. Really yeah. is crazy death metal, man. Um, so yeah, go and check them out. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to you know our guest this week, and um, you know come on to Pedley's Wares across the Atlantic. So. So the movie's called Between Exaltation and Aggression. Um, it's an extreme death metal documentary, um, packed full of interviews and, you know, talking to fans and stuff like that. So I suppose just give us an idea of, of what the film's all about and, and why you did it, I suppose. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Between Exaltation and Aggression, it was started a few years ago and basically uh, why I did it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I, uh, I had a camera, I was huge into photography. I did like concert photography for like three years and, uh, my podcast, I've talked to a lot of people, made a lot of friends, connections and stuff. And, uh, you know, basically when the, the pandemic opened, a lot of those bands were coming through my city and I wanted to, uh, meet up and hang out with them and whatever. And I was like, you know what, let's get a camera involved, you know? I'm already good at kind of the the podcasting interview type thing. Uh, why not switch out the format set of podcasts into a documentary film? That's kind of how the uh, ball started rolling. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Everybody that I reached out to um, in that first year of filming, everybody was like super into the idea. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was like a very motivating force for me to get it get it completed so yeah you say first year how long did it take you to do it all you say it was it was around COVID. Uh, i think it was about like so it i started filming right when COVID opened up oh okay so uh yeah a couple of years now so yeah COVID came along and ruined everything like it did for all of us yeah um <laughs> i mean you got you've got a lot of people involved to be fair you? and there's, there's a lot of quite candid interviews on it some you know i'll go over some of the things that I sort of pulled from it. Um, did you travel far to get all these, to see all these people? Or was this all local to you? Um, yeah. I, well, I mean, like I'm 23, so, you know, I've just been kind of working and then filming a little bit. Um, but a lot of the bands basically came in through my city, except for like, uh, incantation. I drove like six and a half hours to Fuck. film that footage uh and it was like super cool because like we went to a studio and like we sat down and it was like a proper like sit down film type feel yeah um and then uh a lot of the other ones uh were based off of shows so i mean like i would hit up buffalo which is like 45 minutes from my house 45 minutes to like the venue and then i went to rochester it's about an hour and a half uh it's the city next to it and uh yeah so i did a, a a decent amount of traveling without a doubt but um if i were to put it this into perspective of like the ideal of traveling i was already going 
to the shows anyway. So it yeah, really, yeah, that absolutely. wasn't even like a thought of mine, you know. <clears throat> was anybody um, was anybody difficult to deal with? Did anybody sort of not want to get involved? Uh, difficult to deal with, like, like I had, like I filmed with them, and then they were a pain in the ass. Well, yeah, you know, some people. I mean, years ago <laughs> we, um, years ago we ran a, a webzine called Metal Pigeon. This is going back a long time, uh, about twenty okay. years now, Lee. And um, there were some people that we interviewed back then that some of them were, were quite difficult and abusive. Um, I won't name names, but... Um, In flames. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, no, wow. no, okay. they weren't. They were, no, um, one of the Bueller twins from, from Out the Gates was quite difficult. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael and Mark from Arch Enemy was, was like trying to talk to a stone, but... Yeah, did anybody not want to get involved with it, or did anyone just say no? I'm not doing that. It's... I I wouldn't say I got any like denied requests to film. Uh, like 99 of the um 99 of the people were awesome to deal with, except that one percent, which I don't want to like, you know. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to no, name drop. Five. Yeah, but. But I mean, to put it in perspective of like 99%, I mean, that's a, that's a high percentage of people. Yeah. They like enjoyed it. They were super grateful and they helped share it when it was out, which was huge because I'm just like a, a one man guy just filming things. Uh, so the overall support system of the film was great. And that's, 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 I suppose, without wanting to sound corny that's what you get from the community in there we we do this we do this on this podcast is why we started doing things like underground band of the week and and we're doing a couple of other bits and pieces in the uk and, and the more we do and the more it gets shared by other people and the more we share for others i think it's, it's a real strong part of of the metal community these days and it and it helps us all get our get our opinions across yeah no it was a it was a really eye-opening and uh awesome experience to film the whole thing and like actually sit down with like these people and just have a chat like this i mean it was amazing yeah i i I enjoyed it there was it's quite nice just hearing people being able to talk candidly about things there was no no kind of pressure just conversations and um you know people like barney greenway from napalm death will just talk and talk and talk and he's always got he's always got so much to say he's always got a really strong opinion you know, it's someone that I'd love to get on this this podcast because because he is so opinionated and got such strong views. And I love um, the fact that he just hasn't aged. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Care, but he's no. just he. It's scary. Almost. Yeah, scary it's funny because I, I I'm always like, is this man getting younger? Because he has like more energy and stuff. Like every time uh, I've seen him, I'm like, wait, like where did this energy come from? One of the things I asked him, I was like, what's your routine, uh, routine man? Do you like uh, have coffee? Like what? what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I have a cup of coffee and that's it. I'm like, what? What, man? Yeah, Barney Greenway doesn't need caffeine. That's, that's the last thing that I need. I think, I think they've worked out some sort of deal. He's probably getting younger or staying the same age and Shane Embury is getting older. Yeah, he's definitely getting yeah. older. <laughs> But as a band, I think they're getting better as well. The last record was really good. But, you know, it's, it's, it's some really strong. Oh, stuff. I like that one. Yeah, the EP or whatever. Yeah. What was the um? Sorry, what was the TV show in the UK where Napalm Death went on that roller coaster and tried to eat breakfast? TFI Friday. That was. <laughs> uh, that was it. it was um. 
Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> Napalm Death performed on like a, a mainstream um, British TV chat show, which that kind of thing just doesn't happen in the UK at all. Um, I'll, I'll send, I'll, I'll find a link on YouTube. You have to watch it. It's hilarious. It's Napalm Death. Yeah, yeah. I want to trying to eat it. ice creams on a roller coaster. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's kind of funny. Which um, at, the, at the time was like the, I think it was the highest roller coaster, definitely in Europe. In Europe, the world. Yeah. Yeah, 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 fucking absolute lunatics. It's Channel um, 4, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. I see it. it's funny. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, listen to people like Barney Greenway talking about his, you know, he, he has always got something interesting to say. And, um, you know, people like Danny Lilko, I mean, a legend of extreme metal, another one that seems to have been around for generations and, I know they they just seem to talk so openly to you. That must have must have been a really good thing that they could just just talk and what seemed like there was no pressure. Oh yeah, and I wanted to bring up Danny in specific because uh, so I was like new to filmmaking, uh, like I said. So I mean, obviously there's not going to always be you know high points. You yeah, know? there were low points. I filmed with Danny twice. Um, I had footage. I like met him at like a like a flea shop uh they were having one and uh in rochester so I, I like met up with him i was like hey man you want to film he's like sure and i looked at the footage afterwards and it was like super uh you know blown out like the audio was bad the video was just overexposed so i was like crap man um well i gotta retry <laughs> so like uh so there was a show like a couple months later and i like walked up to him and he was like smoking uh with somebody i knew and i was like hey danny i just want to let you know like i i appreciate what you did a couple months ago with the footage but it got racked he's like let's do it right now come on let's go and i was like all right got my stuff put my bag on and uh yeah we just sat up did it again and it was awesome it was like a hometown show too so like he had a bunch of friends there and yeah. he could have easily said no but he was like yeah let's get it done um so danny's a, a legend and i yeah respect him a lot i had to do more ways than one just trying just going through because obviously you spoke to a couple of younger bands as well just touching on that like gatekeeper and frozen soul and that kind of thing what was the you know because obviously they're, they're they're coming into death metal from a completely different point of view you've got these guys from obituary and, and incantation have been doing this kind of thing for years um how is it how is it different for the younger bands now because you know, obviously, you know, 25, 30 years ago, bands like Obituary, for instance, were actually selling a lot of records and probably yeah. having quite a good career. But now these these yeah. bands are coming along and they haven't got that anymore. So everything is very DIY, isn't it? They do everything themselves. There's quite a lot of stuff in your film about, you know, self-management, which I'll, I'll come to a little bit later. But the, the challenges for younger bands now coming up, it's... It's, it's huge. And I'm sure getting around the States is one thing, but for them to try and cross the pond into the UK and Europe, and especially now that the UK isn't part of the European Union anymore, we're finding that a lot of bands are coming to Europe and they're either playing the UK or mainland Europe, but not both. So for the younger bands, that's that's becoming a real challenge. They just they just can't do it anymore. So we're, we're not seeing the bands over here so much because yeah. it comes down to money and infrastructure, whatever it may be. Yeah, I was going to say, man, like, I feel like the the biggest thing that I learned from filming with with these guys is that the biggest challenge is visas 
Mm. And, um, you know, visas, record sales, and the fact that they have to tour a lot just to make, you know, ends yeah. meet. Uh, like, like, take a band like Gate Creeper, for example. Like, they're doing fantastic. And, you know, they're, they're hitting numbers on every platform. Yeah. You know, they're doing great. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they have to stay on the road to, you know, sustain. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing nowadays, like, accessibility is great but for, for like the the perspective of being in a band and trying to survive that's that's a whole another another level yeah um so i think that it's easier to get your band noticed nowadays but to actually sustain is the hardest part yeah yeah this, to make this, a living this is the thing about with any uh, any creative industry it's it's easier to earn money mm-hmm. but it's harder to make a living yeah any any type of art is just so hard man like you gotta got love it i mean that's 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 what it's all about yeah and, and i heard that exact thing uh you gotta love it like at least five times filming um and i think that's what it really comes down to it's like how dedicated you are yeah and, and dedicated to make sacrifices you know yeah. i mean mike mike from i hate god said to me man you gotta make sacrifices um, you got to be able to like be super sick on the road, live on like uh, uh, really dirty carpets and like people's houses that you didn't even know. Like you got to be able to just battle through everything. You know what I mean? And, and Mike, for an example, he's such a legend. Like yeah. to hear him to hear him go through that sh- those struggles, but then see him at like um, Psycho Las Vegas playing in Vegas in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. It all. It all makes sense, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's um yeah. I hate God. I mean, thirty year career, you know, and they're they're still having to to do it like that. You know, it's um it's tough. But I hate I hate God. They were on the European festival circuit this summer, which I know I've seen quite a lot of interviews recently of Testament Machine Head going on about how how difficult the European festival circuit is, but it's something they just have to do because they just fly from country to country. They turn up in a field, they play, they move on. And they don't know where they are half the time. They don't get a chance to stop and break. And we all think they're having the best life, but oh it, yeah, no. it's tough now. Yeah, and that's one of the things I also, like, had, like, I had a huge realization about that. You know, when bands do travel and they do all these, like, really long runs, like, they have limited time to actually like, travel. <laughs> a lot of people think, oh, you're on tour you're going to be able to experience a lot, do a lot of things. No, man. Like they got a schedule. They have like, they have like seven hour drives overnight and then they have to get two hours of sleep and then try to play a show, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I learned like the harsh reality of what the music industry is. Um, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I get that. But is it, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like in States when they're traveling from state to state, is there anything, any challenge they've got, or can they just move freely across the entire country? The only problems I've heard around here is like when they try to get over from U.S. to Canada, but state to state in the United States, I mean, they they shouldn't have any problems as long as they're not like you know, criminals. Yeah, yeah, criminals or any type. Oh, let's put it this way, man. There's some pretty gnarly cops out here, man. You speed over like five miles an hour, you're getting pulled over. 
So yeah, um, yeah, if you've got long hair and tattoos and you smell and you've been drinking and you're a target, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. That's that's a bad thing within the states, like uh traffic violations. It's one of those things where you know they see the long hair and then they're like, Oh, they probably smoke pot, and then yeah, you're getting a DUI, you know. So that's another struggle, man. You gotta stay somewhat sober and not party your life away, man. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in the advice section in your film, some of them are talking about that, and um it was that was one of the things that came up. I think it was Kurt from Crowbar said that you have to remain coherent now. You have to be in control of what you're doing. You know, yeah. Not oh, like yeah. it was, in, in, you know, when Motley Crue were doing their thing 35 years ago, it didn't matter. They had people to do it all for them. Whereas now they've got yeah. to self-manage and be coherent, be with it. Yeah, I, I think I think management for a band is way less, uh, way less effective. You know, I, I think uh, record labels, are important in you know making those sales and getting the publicity around and all that stuff but i mean if if those two things aren't within the uh within the the eyeglasses for the band like don't even bother you know like i mean those are the two things you gotta get who is the um who's the best one to talk to who had the best stories and who is the most sort of open Oh man! Um, we we only see small parts. When you when you edited it, you know you must have had long conversations with some of these people. Yeah, I would say Chad from Frozen Soul. I yeah. mean, like he he was very humble. Like that whole band is super humble. Um, you know, they've made huge strides within the last like year or so, and just getting their name out there, and. You know, I've heard good things about them and just being like good people. But like, I just remember there was one point where like, you know, after the show, he like gave me like a vinyl and like a whole bunch of merch for nothing. Um, I didn't even ask for that. He was like, hey, man, like he looked me in the eyes. and He's like, dude, what you're doing is like super important for the metal scene. And I respect like the hell out of you for it. So take all of this. I want you to have it. it it's hard to pinpoint like who was the best guest but you know they were all great but yeah. i think i think chad was like the one that really sticks out because he was a i don't know i don't know how i explain other than the fact that it was all around a good experience one of the ones that fascinates me though is i can't remember his name i can't remember because of is the guy from midnight oh athenar oh, yeah, yeah 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 and, and you, you follow him on social media as well don't you he does some odd things oh yeah and I'll give you a little funny thing about him that I don't know if nobody, if anybody knows about him, but he doesn't have like a smartphone. Like he doesn't. Okay. So he has a flip phone. Like nice. Yeah. It, it, like he just doesn't, he doesn't interact with like social media. He just doesn't like it, you know? Good. But, <laughs> and like, I, I kind of love that because midnight is such like a interesting band, you know, yeah, in the way of like, it just grabbed my, my attention. Uh, and to just be off social media like that, that's amazing. You know, I suppose it, go, it goes with the whole persona, doesn't it? Just not being able to see their face. Did you see his face? Did he show his face to you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> I kind of got this text of like, Hey, like I'm, I'm near the table type thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me put it this way. He's not in his twenties. I think he's a little bit older, but, like he's got, I think he's like bald from what I remember. 
He's like bald. I think he's in like his 30, between 30 and 50. Not 50, probably like 30 said, and 40. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say too old because then he'll be like, what the hell, but man? But we're all in our 40s. So, yeah. There's, an, there's a YouTube interview in with some other um, uh, media folk, and he's, he's, he looks fairly middle class, but he was doing the entire interview in his in his get up and just saying that here's the kitchen, here's here's and it was hilarious. And oh he's, yeah, he's clearly a guy who's obviously a few years into a career. So yeah, and I think the best part about that band is they're not far away from me. They're in Ohio. They're based out of Ohio, so like three to four hours away. But what I'm trying to say is, it's really cool to see a lot of bands locally, like you know, one to four hours away from me just like you know really getting their name out there yeah you know like yeah. it, it it's really cool to see that kind of stuff i've got a lot of time for midnight and that that whole that whole sort of rebirth of of old school speed metal you know their one hell ripper or a, a british band that's done if you've heard of them oh yeah i have yeah see another band see he, he lives in the highlands of scotland in the middle of nowhere and yet he's got this seems to be building this sort of global cult following and it's, it's mad how the whole scene whole scene works. They're awesome, Hell Ripper. Yeah, and I think that nowadays, like, if you make good art or music or whatever, like, people are going to find you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there, there's got to be a good balance between pushing yourself and just making good art. And I didn't know, I didn't realize that till like, you know, getting older, you know, like, make good art and people will find you. Even though it's going to be super hard, you just got to keep at it, you know? I think this, this is sort of we'll, we'll all agree on that, you know, the, the streaming sites have their downside, but it is so easy just to sit there now for a couple of hours scrolling through whether it's YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music, and you can discover so many, so many new bands. And some of the stuff I've discovered in the last sort of five to 10 years, may I may not have discovered if it wasn't for streaming. So it's, like you said, it's easy for them to get their music out there now, but they're just not making a living, which is a shame. Yeah, and that's that's the hardest part. I think there's a lot of very innovative artists right now, but yeah, sustain and uh, yeah, and just keeping your, I don't know, having a having a positive attitude towards everybody. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah, that's that's important too. Just being like a good person, like yeah, <laughs> sounds funny, but yeah. Um, something else that we talk about quite a lot on this podcast is is scenes and certainly sort of geographical scenes, which is which is a big thing in the states. Um, and I, in your film, you went to there was a festival you were at. It looked like was it um, Maryland Death Fest? The Maryland Death Fest, which is quite famous outside of the states as well, but. Do you have the? Do you still have that? This sort of jig? obviously, you know, back in the days, you had your, your New York hardcore and you had your Bay Area thrash scene. Is that still? Is that still something in America? It's all in sort of pockets in certain parts of the country. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I th I feel like there's a huge. How do I put this? I feel like every city has their own type of scene. Like Rochester, Buffalo, there's there's like a a wavering scene. There's a scene here, but not a lot of people like attend things here but rochester there's a lot of bands that go there and uh there's definitely like a huge community it feels like a huge family every time i'm there um like i know like 
I don't know, 75% of the people by their name like yeah. type type feeling. Um, but when, when it comes down to like going to festivals, like Maryland death fest, like it, it all comes together and everybody it, that is the scene. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be like, uh, like pocketed, pocketed to which city you're in. Um, but yeah, I love Maryland death fest was amazing to film. You know, it was, it was everything I wanted right there. And I, I just had to capture it, you know? Is that, the, the, um, is that the um well it was in, in a car park yeah yeah so is that normal over there because you wouldn't have anything like that in the uk whatsoever no, no never. um so you're saying like normal as like this is a common thing is it is it common yeah sort of gigs like that i think that for major festivals that's very common i mean they do that like every year um there's there's another one that I've been wanting to go to where they just like do it out in the middle of the country, like around like mountains and stuff. Uh, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of festivals that do that kind of stuff around here. And uh, I don't know, for me, it's more like basement shows. That's, that's kind of where I live. I love. Yeah. We all, yeah. We all prefer that. Yeah, Absolutely. We all prefer that, but festivals and festivals in the UK are always in fields. So if okay. it, if it rains like it usually does, it gets muddy, oh. you know. And and British people and mud, it just gets, it, you know, it gets out of control. Oh, you have, I mean, doesn't matter whether it's a metal festival or just a, an indie rock festival, but it's always in the news when the rain comes down because literally yeah. entire fields of tents just get flooded wow. into the next okay. town. It's it's always headline news. It's it's mad um, when it's bad. When you, when you go to a festival in the UK, you spend months just sort of worrying about what the weather's going to do because you know, like I went to one in the summer called Bloodstock in the UK, and it was thirty five oh. degrees outside, and okay. it was so hot all weekend. And British people, we don't do heat; we can't handle okay. it. And I really suffered, man. It was it was it was hard work. It was great, but it was it was hard. Yeah, in the festival that I was talking about earlier, it's Fire on the Mountains. Okay, uh, that's a cool name for a festival. Yeah, so basically, like, they have this, like, beautiful mountain scenery, and then, you know, there's a festival in the middle of it, and, like, it's totally isolated from everybody else. Like, I mean, that's the next festival I'm trying to go to. Um, I need to have a look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> look look into that one. Um, We've definitely don't get anything um, like that. Sure. Did you watch that uh, documentary on Netflix about Woodstock '99? Um, what what's the title of it? Uh, dumpster fire, train wreck. It? Train yeah, wreck. It, it's it's yeah. called train wreck here. I think they may have called it clusterfuck in America, didn't they? <laughs> I, I don't know. Wait, hold up. I don't think I have, but I'm gonna cluster. Oh, fuck. yeah, but yeah, the Woodstock '99 documentary. It's it's something else. I mean, we we remember it in the news when we were you know younger. Um, I, you know what yeah it was on netflix right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I watched this one i watched it actually like a, a couple months ago it was a freaking wreck yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and that's that's the thing with festivals man Mate, you don't know what the hell is going to happen you have all this like uh you have all this energy built up out of uh you know excitement and then something like that happens people just don't give a shit like they'll just they'll just deal with it you know but u.s seems to be um 
the festivals seem to be picking up in the US. The things like Aftershock and Psycho Las Vegas, stuff like that. They, <laughs> and some of the lineups you you have, they make us jealous. You have some amazing lineups at these festivals. Yeah, well, I mean, at the gates, I just saw them at a Psycho Las Vegas, and like yeah. a lot of these uh, bands from over overseas are coming here for the fest, which is awesome too. I mean, I saw Catatonia at the gates, um, just to name a few. And yeah, I think there's a lot of U.S. festivals that are going on right now. I'm kind of new to all that kind of stuff. I just yeah. used to go to shows, but um, there's a lot of variety when it comes down to fests here. Yeah. Um, as long as you're willing to take a few days off of work and spend like a grand on a ticket, like just go do it, you know, like who cares? That's a challenge over there because I think sadly you guys don't get the same amount of paid holiday as a lot of people in Europe do, do you? So it's more challenging to get. Time yeah. Off. Well, how many, how many paid holidays do you get? Minimum Pre- four weeks. What? <laughs> let, let's not, yeah. let, let's not take a, let's not peel that onion. Okay. Cause that's going to sting for you, not for us. Yeah. Damn. Four I get, weeks? I get, At least. I get, I get, I, I actually get, get five. Work. But yeah, I no, I, I get I, I get more than the UK because I don't actually live in the UK. I live in the sweet paradise of the EU. So yeah, how many you got? Well, oh, I get about we get like three weeks for Christmas, ten days for Easter, and then I get all the Italian holidays as well. So you know, I'm gonna walk up to my boss when I show up to work on Sunday, and I'm gonna say, you know, man. I'm moving to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. I think we He's get like, You know what? If you've got if you've got dollars saved up, that'll go very far at the moment. In the UK. Yeah, it will. It will. It's, all, yeah. Yeah, it's almost one you're, for you're, one. You're rich basically at the moment with our currency yeah. rate. Yeah. Really? You see, like, in in um in, in Italy, you get um you get a thirteenth month salary in December. Okay. What the hell, man? What? <laughs> uh, you get paid every four weeks. Rather than every month. Oh, lunar monthly. Yeah. Yeah. You call it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but you have to live in Italy, so you know. Yeah, it's 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 horrid. I mean, apart from the fascist government. <laughs> <laughs> no politics. No politics no. this week. No, 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 no. I'm just like. I mean, thankfully, I mean the prices are going up here, but I mean, if there's one thing that's never going to go up in prices, then. It's a good quality pizza because the, the Italians just they just won't have it. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll be a riot, like you know. So like I know I got the pizza hovers around five euros. Um, wow. Yeah. What what's your guys' favorite style of pizza? Like like for me, like the New York style pizza. Come on, man. We, we're not. To, to be fair, we're probably not as oh. I mean, he well, Padre probably would know much more about pizza than the rest of us, but because we're not like pizza connoisseurs in Britain it's kind of like it, pizza's pizza Chicago, New, covered in meat. New York yeah okay we're, we're what, what do you guys think of pepperoni uh, are you yeah, into the pepperoni yeah, yeah. Okay, so so pineapple. Pepper, pepperoni is, is an explosive issue in Italy because like, it, really, <laughs> it really irritates them right because like pepperoni in Italian means um, bell pepper right it's not it's not a salami at all. The closest thing you'll get to pepperoni in Italy is uh, salami napoli, which is or um 
you know, they put it on a pizza called Diavola, Diavola, uh, which is like, you know, devilish because it's spicy. But pepperoni doesn't exist. And they'll have an, you know, an aneurysm arguing that pepperoni is, is, a bell, is a bell pepper and not some kind of like sausage. Um, if you mention pineapple on pizza, they, 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 have, they have a heart attack and just roll over on the floor. <laughs> I, I, I like I like go, I like fucking. I, oh no, they hate it. I, I like fucking with people when I go out for pizza, and I'll be like, "Excuse me, have you got one of those pieces of pineapple?" And they just look at you like, "What? What, what are you doing?" <laughs> you know, and I, and I just oh, I don't worry, I'm joking. It's wrong. It is wrong you, you, yeah. the, these two chaps, John, they're they're not far off that because they're both Cornish. Okay. And they and they get into arguments about Cornish pasties. Oh, okay. No, you have done. You have. Just, just don't. No, no, no. That you. We can say something. You can. <laughs> I'm not judging. Okay. I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> it's our regional dish, and it's, it's the king of food. So, you know. yeah. Um. Well, yeah, okay, no, well, okay. Back to your original question. So, like, I've got, I've got quite a lot of friends in um from New York, and I've got friends from Chicago too. And I've seen some very animated discussions about what, what constitutes the best pizza. Um, I like I like New York style because um, it's just like that kind of like gooey cheese on top. Um, but, you know, Italian pizza is awesome. Um, I've not really I've only had Chicago style like deep dish once. It was it was quite good. But I, I would go New York style myself because it's closer to Italian Italian pizza. <laughs> Yes, uh, this like, is going to be me, audio. Like, but... Chicago, Chicago deep dish. Like, if you're going to eat pizza like once a week all year, I think ninety percent of the time you'd probably go New York, and then the Chicago deep dish pizza would be the one time when you fancy a change, not the other way around. You know, because like New York pizza is pizza, Chicago yeah. deep dish. It's not. I don't even think it's pizza. It's something. It's good. It's not bad at all. But it's not. It, it's a pie. It's more like a pie. It's not a. If you go to small pizza places in London or even any other English city, it will be New York style. Yeah. Not yeah. Chicago. Oh, okay. You won't, you won't get Chicago style. Okay. You I like I love... pizza. You have to microwave it. You know, I like, I like, I like Rome, Roman pizza, which is the square pizza. That's pretty good, but it's a bit expensive. Um, obviously, if, you've ever, if you ever go to Naples, this is the thing, right? You'll hear a lot about, oh, you've got to try this food and you've got to try that food, and everyone raves about it. Then when you finally go to one of these places and you try it for the first time and you think it's good, but it's not as good as people have said, that is not the case with pizza in Naples. It is as good as everyone says. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it doesn't disappoint at all. Plus, Nap Napoli get... is just, Naples is fucking crazy. I love that city. It's just edgy as fuck. I'm going to have you know? to get there then. Yeah. That's a fact. Everywhere you go, you can see Vesuvius, and Pompeii is one of the most metal places on Earth. That's yeah, how to check it out. It's a I mean, long, like, if you go to Pompeii, you go to the, yeah, if you go to Pompeii, you've got to go to the Pink Floyd exhibition. That's, that's pretty cool. Okay. Like Pink, Pink Floyd performed there in the, the 1970s, wasn't it? Yeah, 71 or 72, I think, wasn't it? Um, should we get back to talking about prop music, not pizza and Pink Floyd? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, getting back on track. Um, something I, I, I took from from um, from your film, um, particularly people like Trevor Perez from Obituary and Kirk from Crowbar was another one, was 
the enthusiasm that those old guys have still got for what they do, no matter how hard it seems to get, they just seem to fucking love what they do. And like we've said just now, they, like like Trevor from Obituary especially, was so enthusiastic about everything he talked about. Oh, yeah. He's like oh, an excited yeah. child. You know, okay, here's the little backstory behind that that interaction. Um, so Obituary, they're a legendary band, you yeah. know, my podcast I've, I've i've hit them up multiple times i've had terry on the show on my show um, but i could never get to to him right and yeah. you know i was like ah maybe they just don't want to do press whatever uh, they've been around for a long time so i was at a show and i was filming with municipal waste and after the show my friend mike was just helping me set up and whatever and he like went to the bar whatever it came back. He's like, Hey man, you know that, you know, like, uh, he's like hanging at the bar, like drinking a beer. Like, do you want to have him in the documentary? I'm like, I'm like, of course I would like him in there. Uh, just, I guess let him know. And like, lo and behold, like five minutes later, he comes in with, with like a 20 ounce can of beer. And he's like, damn, man, it looks like you're doing some type of crazy film. I want to do it. Let's go. And like, it was just so funny because like you know he didn't ask any questions he just knew that it was about metal and it was going to be a documentary and my friend was like it's going to be really cool those three things and he just got directly behind the camera and the mic and he was just like all right let's go like he's he was a very mellow and down-to-earth person let's put it that way yeah he came across that <clears throat> yeah, I, I I love that enthusiasm and just like that sort of excited child. It, you can you can tell some of them have just come off stage or you've caught them after a show and that that adrenaline is, is still there. You yeah, know, you know it's um yeah I, I I love that kind of shit. So again, going back to the newer bands and like the future of death metal because death metal seems to be going off in all kinds of different tangents now. Like we've talked about bands like like Tribal Gaze and Shadow of Intent. It, it's it's not just death metal anymore. There's there's loads more going on. And bands like Gatekeeper, who are a bit more accessible than you would say Cannibal Corpse were 30 years ago. What is now considered death metal is, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in the UK, if someone is referring to heavy metal from the outside, death metal is the term that's often used. Oh, I don't listen to any of that death metal shit. But they're probably referring to Maiden or Metallica when they're, they're saying things like that. So... So what I want to say is, you know, with the people you talk to and, and that, do you think death metal is is evolving? Do you think it's 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 at a point of growth where it's probably more popular now than it ever has been? Oh, Dream metal 100, yeah, one hundred percent, man. I think that uh, I think right now is a great time to uh, be into extreme music. Like, I mean, there's so much new. And creative bands right now making music touring um you know every aspect of being in the metal scene is great uh just because like the support is there you have people like yourself that are like digging for like the next thing yeah um you know like back in the day you'd have to like look at a record look at the cover and be like ah like that looks good i'll, I'll have to pay money to figure out what it's about yeah you know nowadays you know 
it's a little bit handed to you. Whereas, you know, the young kids, they can, they can find bands like inoculation because, you know, they're touring, um, you know, they have, I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that it's a very good time to be in metal, like weird things are going on. Um, and like another thing is, you know, metal, it doesn't like plateau. Like there's always like super cool things going on, whether it be like lyrical content about like video games or like uh shadow intent, like they're writing some super weird things, adding new elements in. I just think that uh, there's a lot of creativity and innovation still going on with this yeah. genre after so many years. Like that, that's how I try to sum it up. And it's hard to be innovative in, in metal now because almost everything that's, that's happened, someone's done it before. So to do something new and different, especially in extreme metal, it's hard to achieve. So it's, it's, it's even better that these bands are doing it. Well, that was one of the comments, wasn't it? I think certainly a couple of times where how, how extreme can you get after a certain point? Yeah. Yeah. That was like brought up a couple of times. Um, but I think the funny thing was uh, Danny Loker was like, how extreme can you get? You know, the next thing that's going to happen is like people are going to be putting chainsaws in it, like putting, putting like stuff like that into it. And I'm like, it could happen, you know, like, yeah, because it just becomes it just becomes a noise. It? What what noises you can throw into the mix? I suppose, like industrial music was back in the eighties and nineties. That, that was just, you know, the, the same kind of thing. Um, but you know, that's kind of going forward. But going going backwards, I liked hearing a lot of the guys talking about about back in the day. And tape trading always comes up with old school bands. Earache Records was mentioned a few times, and you know that that ethos is still very much a part of it. It doesn't matter how, how far forward it goes and we rely on streaming sites. That's still there. You know, tapes are becoming a bigger thing again now. Oh yeah. Like cassettes are like huge nowadays. Like, like it's funny because there was like a, a vinyl, you know, thing where everybody was buying vinyl. Then that kind of, you know, it's kind of going up and down, up and down. And then like cassettes came into the mix. And I was like, all right, that's kind of oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about that. I mean, we, we spoke about this on the very first episode of this podcast, but I mean, there are things that just should just be left. Yeah. Untouched, yeah. Things have, things have evolved, and cassettes have no business coming back. Cassettes sound shit. But they, they, they break, the things, the damn ribbon can twist. I mean, there, there were some, you know, positives about tapes i mean making that mixtape was a skill you know yeah. getting that getting that balance on the tape right so you know you've got right so you think well, i've got nine minutes left of this tape what song can i put on there well i could probably squeeze master of puppet song because it's eight minutes 32 seconds or I, I could probably get two slayer tracks on or something like that and then you've got to get it on the flip side um, but yeah, and or the, and then you put it in the tape in the cassette walkman and it just eats it on the and you're like all that time has been wasted because now the fucking tape's broken. And you're just like, no, you're just like why? Yeah, um, I I feel you there, man. I, I like my dad had a copy of the wall on, on cassette, and every time I would bring up like cassettes, he'd be like, you know, man, I really really wish my uh copy of the wall didn't get eaten up man like 
but it's like fucking if, shit. Where do you draw the line though? Because if you bring tapes back, what's to stop people like wanting to go, oh, man, let's get let's get stuff back on floppy disk? You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, so know. like you've got like so you've got well, rather than like a USB with like eight gigs on it, you've just got what would it, what would the equivalent be? Three gigs, that would be like, what, one floppy disk is one megabyte. I can't do fucking math, someone help me. Yeah, it would be a lot of floppy disks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're just like, what's it, what, what, you know, you've got like, you've got like a suitcase on wheels. What's on that? Just my playlist. <laughs> yeah, I, I think really it comes down to nostalgia. I think a lot of merchandise sells to people that, uh, I don't know, like when it comes to physical media, a lot of people collect because, you know, they probably started when they were a kid and like it just kept growing and growing, you know, like, so I, that's why cassettes are still going to sell, you know, but they're, they're, quite, yeah, quite, they're quite popular in the synthwave community as well. That's a very nostalgic aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, same thing. But they sound shit. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I like vinyl they're... sounds good. Vinyl, right equipment. Vinyl sounds yeah, amazing. Vinyl looks good, you know. If you've got like a shelf filled with vinyl, it looks good, and like you know, you've got big, the, the big album covers and stuff. But a cassette just—it looks crap. It's in a plastic case. The case bloody yeah. breaks all the time, you know. And you just like, and you can and never. Where do like, you fit it? You, where do you fit it on the shelf too? They're just awkward. Like they're super. Yeah, like, yeah. I get, I get those little plastic sort of holders that you drill into the wall. Oh, I remember having yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> I had them for mini discs as well, though. That was another, they were shit as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they, they were at least a step in the right direction. You know, it, it was like. They had no low end in the sound, though. It was all high end. It was just really hissy, horrible fucking noise. Just, nah. Nah. It was I mean, great for me because I would, I would order a CD from Amazon copy it onto a mini disc and then send it back to Amazon. So <laughs> that's awesome. We used to go down the library, borrow the CD from the library, copy it onto a tape, take the CD back. Yeah. And then like at one point, one of our friends who's been on before had copied so much music that he felt like he was going to have to write a letter to like Capitol Records or EMI and just confess. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, I did that. I did that with my uh, my friend's father. I used to go over there on the weekends and like uh, hang out, and I would bring my my laptop over, and I'd be like, "Hey, man, can I download some CDs, man?" And that's how it got me into this type of music. I think we all had like this little loophole to get into extreme yeah. music yeah. that we had to steal it from somebody, but you know, it, we figured I mean, my, it out. My, my, my father-in-law used to have, before he passed away, used to have um, a really expensive uh, stereo system. And this is going back a while. And you, he could actually record vinyl onto CD on the, high, on the stereo system. And that would be badass. Like if I had vinyl and I had that ability, I would just copy it all onto CD because then you've got you know, and unless unless you're going to start building cars that've got like vinyl decks built in, that would be quite. <laughs> well, then, then <laughs> you, 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 know, you can buy turntables that will will copy from vinyl onto MP3, so the USB controlled and that kind of thing. So it's, um, but I think vinyl's vinyl. Vinyl will always be there. It'll always be a collectible thing, even if it's a 50 pence 
seven inch from your local charity shop it will all that will always be something that people will will want to keep hold of and that will never go away tapes will disappear well, I think, but what well, i think is going to happen is i'm not talking politics okay i'm just speculating is that the way things are going at the minute the the uk economy is going to get that bad where vinyl will become a means of currency oh, and those of us who have vinyl collections will be fucking loaded so you go to like, you know, like fucking Sainsbury's and like, they'll be like, well, if you give me that copy of that Creeping Death EP, you can have your weekly groceries. <laughs> so it's like, you know, just bartering with like, okay, well, I can't give you Creeping Death, but I can give you Gary Stays re revisit. There's no way I'm giving up a 12 inch green Creeping Death on Music for Nations for a week shopping. It, well, it, no, 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 that, no, that doesn't get you. No, 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 that would get you. That's Harrods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, okay. That's like a, a a week, a year of, of groceries from Harrods. Okay, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm just talking run of the mill, shitty vinyl. You know, so like if you take take in like you know Chris Poland's solo album Return to Metropolis, that's that's that that's going to get you a, a quick visit down the Seven Eleven. It's not going to get you jack shit. Okay, but that's you know Black Sabbath's original you know al album that's. That, that's that's sending your kids to eat it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> one thing that happens on most episodes of this, it goes off on weird fucking tangents, and, it, and it's very hard to bring it back. And I lose control. I, so I, I kind of like I kind of like the uh, the idea of uh, yeah, records becoming currency. Like that's kind of got me thinking though. Like anyway, yeah, but that, anyway. that would also to some extent. <laughs> To some extent, though, the, the danger of that is you would then have, you know, the uh, the people that made the vinyl, like, you know, that produced the music to go onto the vinyl, as, for example, someone like Lars Ulrich, they would then have control over the economy. And do we really want Lars Ulrich? It's not going to be any worse. La Lars, Lars is a sound businessman. He'd be better yeah, than yeah, he'd be yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt oh, about boy. that. Yeah, he would have, yeah. No. Fucking, no, I'm not going there. Right back to back to the. Um, so, so just one. Like, it would be quite funny. Though. It oh, would be fuck, quite. He's still going. If, 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 you know, if, if Metallica controlled the currency, right, and vinyl was currency, but they still printed money, but rather than like having like George Washington on the one dollar bill, you had the cover of Justice for All on the one dollar <laughs> bill. <laughs> and as he says, her money tips their scales again. Lars's face on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. It's only going to have Lars's face on the money. No one else is going to be on. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, who, who would you who would you have on the hundred dollar bill to replace um, uh, Benjamin Franklin? Dave Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about the Daves. Dave. Yeah, he doesn't need any kind of ego trip any more than what he's already got by putting his fucking face on money. Yeah, it, Shit, it just no. says underneath, Dave buys, but who's selling? <laughs> I like that. Um, where was I? Yes, we were talking about um, death metal going forward, extreme metal going forward, um, and the fact that it has gone a little bit out there. But at the same time, there's one thing to be always looking for the heavier and the more extreme. But I think there's a bit more there's a bit more thought that goes into extreme metal now. Like you take grindcore for instance. You know, a band like Angel Cunt when they're around, I don't think they'd be so welcome now, you know, because of the, the nature of it. You know, there's a bit more, 
I don't know. Is, is, is extreme metal becoming a little bit more highbrow? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. I've just ripped off a toenail. <laughs> Sorry. Go, go, that's go grind, that is. Literally just taken off half a toenail. Go grind. Yeah, sorry. Go on. I'll let yeah, you I, I don't I don't know, man. I think extreme music as a whole, it's like evolved in so many ways. I mean, we think back like to at least when I was a kid, like Motley Crue was like heavy, man. Like, yeah, it was like, whoa, man, like hair metal. That's sweet. Um, but there was there was like many steps to get where we we are with extreme music. And I think that's the coolest thing, because like every every type of sound that comes out of like uh you know what you dig for is like accepted you know what i mean like yeah i feel like a lot of like the people that were in the back corner like 15 years ago being super judgmental they, they're kind of just like laughed at nowadays you know what i mean because yeah. like everything is just kind of like accepted you know this is the way it should be you know yeah did um did you get into new metal in your early days of discovering heavy music? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, like I, uh, I was into this band, Slipknot, into Slipknot, and uh, Corey Taylor was a huge influence on me. But like, I don't know, like, like Corn too. Um, they they kind of steered me into the direction of where i'm at now i mean they were pretty accessible and like uh they were like a stepping stone to get where i'm at because they were the gate, gateway, they were the gateway yeah the gateway you know like <laughs> i never said that corn were not a gateway band i my original point was that Limp Biscuit are not a fucking gateway band for anything? Yeah, no, Limp Biscuit just sucks. Sorry, man. Yeah, just... Exactly. It's like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're is, not going to deny is, that. Corn is an entirely acceptable, you know, entryway into the metal scene, the metal fraternity. Limp Biscuit is not. Yeah, Limp. No, Limp Biscuit is just like. No, but my my original point was people that started off listening to Limp Biscuit don't necessarily necessarily end up listening to emperor yeah no no but they fucking but, they probably should but you know they don't um i mean you're not really going to see a lot of people wearing like red baseball caps and I, I, i'm on a mask concert <laughs> um, and you know or you know and if you I mean, do you're not going to argue with them yeah, and no, you know, and a bet most of the people who listen to limp Bizkit probably don't know what a monomath means so yeah, it, Sorry, go on. And, and Amana Marth is one of those bands where, like, I haven't seen them live, but I know that there's like this huge, um, diehard fan base for them. Like, Massive. they, uh, yeah, like, I, I want to be in, in the pit, like, rowing the boat. Like, I see that. Yeah, yeah, I see that in like videos, and I'm like, wow, like, I've never seen this at a show. Like, but. I think um, Amona Martha epitomise what modern metal is. They don't really sell a huge number of records. It's, it's based on live reputation and, and all that. I've seen Amona Martha loads of times coming up through, and what they are now is essentially an arena metal band with this huge production and pyros and, and all the, this the, kind of the, shit. The, so. the thing that concerns me about Amona Martha is if they get any bigger than they could inadvertently as you know, they take the Viking thing to its logical conclusion, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna end up sacking the coast of like you know, 
Northern England, probably invade Northern England. But I think that would be good. <laughs> That's, That's fine. Good. That's fine. But, you know, they'd probably set, they'll, they'll turn up. They'll turn up ready to like, pillage the north of England or the south coast. They'll get off the fucking boat and go, no, nothing here. No, no. no riches. Just poverty. <laughs> get back on the boat. Let's go to fucking Germany. Yeah, they just they just like create like a little uh, like a little mob. Like they have like they just get on a boat yeah. and they're like, we're gonna go take over. We are the Amanamara uh, fan group. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy what they what they've become. Um, but going back to what you said about Emperor, I was gonna ask you about black metal in America because we're in a couple of weeks. We're gonna we're gonna look into Norway and <laughs> the nonsense that went on there. Did black metal take off in America? Like your, your proper Norwegian, true black metal? You know, Mayhem and your emperor and all that. Is it big in the States? You're talking about just United States black metal bands? Yeah. Have you got a scene or did the Norwegian, did the Norwegian bands really sort of transcend over there? Well, yeah. I mean, I've seen Mayhem twice this year. Uh, and I mean, there's, it definitely, uh, hit a nerve with americans yeah I bet. Uh, oh yeah man like they 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 sell out crowds around here but i don't know about like a u.s black metal scene at least where i'm located um there's only like four three to four like local black metal bands that play around here um they've been around for years a band called wald hexen and a band called hubris and um this band called vile tyrant those three bands are like the only ones i know locally around my area but that's, uh, that's a great name for a band vile tyrant i fucking love that yeah yeah i mean they're awesome but i guess what i'm trying to say is there's not a huge black metal scene where i'm at but there are like tours once in a while yeah but they're not as like popular as like death metal tours is black metal something else that's, that's evolved into something it's not just corpse paint anymore. It's, it's gone to the extreme. I'm trying to think of some bands off the top of my head. Gaara or Gear or Gear, whatever they're called. Yeah, worth yeah. checking. Yeah, Gaara, worth checking out. Um, it's take you know the, the sort of symphonic element of black metal is becoming a bigger thing, and it's a lot more kind of over the top and and almost accessible. To a oh certain, yeah, it, it, and like uh, I'll just bring up the fact that you know, do you know the band called Holder? No black metal band. It's like okay, so it's like a woman fronted uh black metal band. But what I'm trying to say is they're on tour with like Zoomed, and I think that's super cool that like nowadays uh there's like mixed genre tours going on now. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not just like a death metal obituary, uh, you know, and, and three other uh death metal bands on on a on a show. It's like mixed, but yeah, which is cool. That's you know, that that used to happen a lot back in the day. Like Sepultura used to tour a lot with Strife and Sick of It All were one band who would talk, tour with all sorts of thrash bands and death metal bands and, and all that kind of thing. And I think you get that more in the States than we get over here. When it comes over here, they play the safe bet. Oh, they do. Okay. So you you know, like years ago we had in the height of metalcore, we had the new wave of American heavy metal tour that came around Europe, and it was Killswitch Engage, Chimera, Shadows Falling, God forbid, I think it was. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it gets pigeonholed a lot more over here. 
that's that's interesting i didn't know that i mean the u.s is just weird i mean i see i see just very like sanguasugabog for example they play with like a lot of hardcore bands and stuff yeah. and i mean that's super cool i think a lot of bands are just like just being like there's no limits to what we're going to do and i yeah. respect that and it keeps it interesting you know yeah, and it, it's, it's a mix of crowds as well, isn't it? They're playing to, to people who may not necessarily be into their music, and they hopefully they're they're building new fans. And there was a time, sort of when we were growing up, that if if a hardcore band was playing with a death metal band in some provincial town in England, all your hardcore fans would stand at the back with their arms folded, watching your death metal band, and then vice versa. There would be very much, yeah, much that that attitude. The first time. Hatebreed came to the UK, was touring with Sepultura. And it was a venue of about 1500 capacity. Place went fucking nuts for Hatebreed. And then Hatebreed finished their 30 minute set. And then half the place just fucked off. And there was <laughs> half a venue left for Sepultura. Wow. So, you know, it was, there, was, it was, there was that sort of divide. Whereas I don't think that's. This was this was post post Max Sepultura, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was probably Sepultura's first kind of shows, or roughly in in Europe with Derek Green. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was there was a real divide then. It was, you were one or the other. Now, all I was I was just going to ask, literally, are you are you you know you've made your film? Are you, you're obviously proud of it. Are you planning <laughs> to do any? Are you planning to do more? Are you going to do anything else? And what's what's your sort of long term goal for it? Um, my, my next goal, God damn. Oh, okay. So, uh, I'm making a second one. I have like five, five, uh, conversations filmed so far. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to make a, a second one between exaltation and aggression too. Nice. Uh, it's, it's in the works. I've got an idea for you. That's here. documentary film on the hunt for John Schaefer. Where no. is he? <laughs> Where is he now? Yeah, yeah. That, that is a point we haven't we haven't um, we haven't had a John Schaefer update this week yet. I don't think anybody's found him yet, so it's, it's probably relevant. <laughs> but we're, we're we're this close, like you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set the Mandalorian on him. You know, put a bounty out. You know. Well, I'll tell you how impressive it is. They've managed to sub her in a Trump today. Yeah, they still yeah. can't get hold of Schaefer. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah whatever, whatever he's doing Steve, is right. Steve Bannon has uh, been jailed for four months. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you plan to do more. I mean, um, you've got a podcast as well. Plug that on here as well because you, you know, potentially. Oh, listen. yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the only plug I have is like Linktree slash Noise Dosage Media. I mean, that's like the one link I have. It's got like my podcast, my website, and my uh, like the documentary on yeah. there. But where's, uh, where's the name come from? Between exaltation and aggression? Uh, no, noise dosage. Uh, a weird dream I woke up to like during the <laughs> pandemic. Like I just I like woke up and like all of a sudden the name kind of popped in my head. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. Like, um, <laughs> uh, it's it sounds hilarious, but uh, yeah. I just woke up and I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing a podcast. And that led, led me to doing a film. You know, there's, there's going to be a dissertation uh, of uh, metal lyrics in a few years' time about the COVID period because people are going to realize how fucking weird some of this, some of the rise. How did you find out about us? Just out of you know, 
you know, like I, uh, I think there's a lot of cool things that are going on in the metal community. Um, I listened to a podcast called like Vox and hops. Um, and then I kind of, I kind of dug a little bit deeper, like what you guys do with music. I'm like, wait a second. There's like a lot more underground metal podcast than I, than I know about. There's a lot. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I don't know, like the, the second I found out, like there's a lot of passionate people doing uh podcasts and stuff like this that are like funny and like cool to talk to. I was like, I'm going to start just reaching out to people. And yeah, this was, this was great. I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're, you're the first, um, uh, American we've had on the show. So you've got that privilege. Well, here's um, the thing, man. If pizza's brought up in, in the middle of conversation, I think I did my job. So Amer- yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what I'd like, what I'd like to do is, on behalf of uh, the British Crown, is invite the original thirteen colonies of America come back into the fold. <laughs> okay? Right? I mean, we can at least guarantee you a bank holiday next year when Charles gets crowned. So we can get, we can guarantee you one day off. Okay? But what we can also offer you is the world's finest socialized medicine. Okay? No more health insurance. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's always brought. Yeah, that's always brought up. Barney brought that up, man. Like, what the hell? Yeah, we have a health service, yeah, man. Yeah, we won't have much longer. So no, get, we get won't. No. Yeah. no. Yeah, getting um, getting medical treatment will be done in a bar down an alleyway somewhere or something like that. Just the way the it's going to go. I mean, um, I don't even I don't even know if we want really the original thirteen colonies. Just maybe, just like you know, New Hampshire, New York State, Massachusetts. I don't really want to take Georgia. You that, can't that, pick that. and choose. <laughs> no, you can. You can. <laughs> but what I was going to say was, um, are you, John? Are you familiar with that? The fact that there is actually now an academic field of study called metal studies. Where no, people are doing no. graduate thesis and. PhDs in it and it's like I a mean, mix it's, it's like mean, a mix I, of like anthropology and sociology and music and uh, philosophy and, it's like an accredited course well it, it's a field of study so obviously there are some universities where you can I don't think you can do a full like university course just in metal studies but it's definitely oh, yeah. a branch of inquiry so for example if you were um, doing a degree in anthropology or sociology there would be definite like scope to do a study in metal studies connected to that as a, as a <laughs> what? If, if you were studying like subcultures or um, because this is the thing. I mean, have you seen the film uh, the, the Metal a Headbanger's Journey by John John Dunn? Uh, firstly, I thought one of one of the things that I liked about your documentary with the interviews is it reminded me a lot of that film. And what I think is what I really liked about the documentary was that it was very much like a, a bottom-up approach. So you were just letting the fans talk and the bands talk, and like you, you gave them the opportunity to really explain why they like the music they do, what they, what they like about the scene, what they like about the actual music itself. And the fact that um, it, it was, I, I think it was a very mature look at a, a genre of music that gets a, has a lot of stigma attached to it and it and it, it suffers from a lot of derision from people because oh they're singing about like pe- peeling their, their faces off and having sex with a dead body and that's not really fair to the genre i mean yeah it's it, it's it's it, the, the lyrics are extreme 
I really like that. There's a quote. I can't remember who said it in the film, but it was like people who get into death metal, they, there is kind of an entry fee to pay because the yeah. music is so extreme. Yeah. I thought that was a nice quote. Um, and I think as well, we, so going back to this idea of metal studies, we've done a few episodes where we've talked about Nor, uh, not Norway, we haven't done that one yet. So we talked about Sweden and we talked about Finland. We talked about Germany last year. And this, this idea of like how relevant the scene is to the music and how relevant the music is to the scene is very important. And also we did an episode on like the working class roots of metal in the UK. So it's like, and, and one of the, the key things in that is the, um, the importance of authenticity in the way that the relationship between the band and the crowd exists. And that the, the, the scene, the subculture itself will form around a set of ideals that the people or the fans are, are kind of looking for that they don't get from mainstream society. And I think a lot of death, extreme metal, flash metal, a lot of metal subcultures, that's a very good description. You could also describe punk, you can also describe any subculture. I mean, what do you think about that? Is that something that you saw when you were talking to one of these bands, like kind of a, 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 re, a kind of coherent set of principles, like a, oh, a, yeah. a, a very shared outlook? I mean, I think in general, like, just just thinking on my own personal life i think that metal was all has always been one of those things where like it it was always like a divide from regular society like i i've always had this weird thing where i'm just like i just don't fit in at all like you know i just have a different ideal of my life purpose etc but like um i think it was cool to talk to people and kind of share that perspective of just like you know they didn't fit in as a kid and you know this is their like society this is their community and i think it, you know it did shine some light on the whole idea of what like metal is you know what i mean like it it, it did really shine light on just the whole aspect of metal in general you know but I hope, you know, within that three hours or whatever, like, I hope there was some type of story that somebody could latch onto and be like, you know, I kind of get it, you know. Um, I, I just hope, like, it, it, the film reaches, like, a, a young kid that's, like, kind of at that point where they listen to the corn and the slipknot and whatever, and uh, they're like, what's next? You know what I mean? That That's the exact person I want to watch it. <laughs> and then, like, people like yourself where you know you have like the mature outlook on what the scene is but like like the newer bands for example it could be a good introduction to you guys so the, the new, nice new band. sorry go on Padre. Yeah, i was gonna say like i mean i think it's great that you know because of social media podcasts um youtube things like that you're now seeing documentaries or films or even short like video clips about metal, about other subcultures, and they're being made by people that are within that subculture. It's not some like camera crew and presenter who just want to like look at a surface idea and they take the piss and sell it in a way that, oh, look at these guys with the long hair and they all, you know, worship Satan and everyone sings about silly stuff and it's got no, no, no fucking um, credibility and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it goes a long way to kind of dispelling the, the the myths about metal and every time a documentary like this gets made it kind of adds to the, the tapestry of, um, yeah yeah of the subculture you've got some interesting stuff i mean youtube has has got a 
documentary from the BBC from 1989, um, which was on one of our sort of main documentary um, programs at the time. And yeah, it sort of focuses on Iron Maiden and Guns. Oh, and that's the, um, is that the BBC Arena documentary? Yeah, Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then when they interview Lars in the Intrepid Fox. It was, you know what? I wondered if it was Intrepid Fox because it thought it looked a bit familiar, but I was trying to place place the layout. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Good. That's good to know. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's so much stuff, isn't there? And you know, the documentaries are, you know, there's there's a, there's a black metal one I need to check out um, in the next couple of weeks. And that's the thing, kids these days they've got they got so much at their disposal we never had. Yeah. It- and that's important to bring up too, because I'm glad that you brought up the fact that like, um, just like people from above that are not a part of the scene, just taking a piss on like the, the, <laughs> the overall message of what the community and like what the music means, because like at the end of the day, I'm not some like director, like, you know, I don't have this name of like, Hey, I made this Hollywood film. Like I'm just like a fan with a camera that's trying to, capture some type of story you know yeah yeah you know like that that's it <laughs> but the um the opinion of the of the metal scene and the metal community from outside is always it always made people you only need to look at pictures of fucking corpse grinder with cuddly toys do you know what i mean it just it's it just isn't what people think it is i've got friends that are not into metal and they think we all go to shows and we kick the shit out of each other and we spit at each other and we take a shit on the floor and you know and it's just no we don't we you know at bloodstock there were men walking around in pink fucking tutus it's just it's just not it's just not like that and and we we've we've talked about this this quote from rob zombie so many times on this this podcast that heavy metal is the biggest thing in the world but no fucker knows anything about it apart from, you know, us, you know, it's, it's just, it's huge, you, you know, metal bands, some of the metal bands are the biggest selling rock bands in the world, you know, yet it's still, like Padre said, derided by everyone from the outside. But, I mean, the, them all. Mate, the way I keep looking, the way I look at it now, is the, uh, you know, if you look at the, the, the phrase in Italian, quelli uh, sono cosa nostra, this thing of ours, it's like the mafia, it's our thing, we yeah. control it. Fuck yeah. off! You're not, you know, you're not made. Get the fuck out. You're welcome in, but you've got to embrace it if you're coming in. You know, you've yeah. got to be, you've got to be part for membership and then we need to But it, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's um now that we're going, you know, COVID's <laughs> over and we're going back to shows and festivals and things like that. I I, I quickly forgot what it was like. When you go to these shows and festivals, and how how much I missed it, I suppose. Um, Bloodstock. Have you ever been to Europe, John? No, I want to. I, yeah. I really do. Like, I mean, go, I, go, I haven't go, been go, out go. of the states. Got to go to Vakan if you get the chance. Yes, 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 yes. That's yes, like a bucket must. list. Yeah, that's a bucket that, list. That is like, if there's like one place on earth that is, it's like the heart of metal. It's Vakan. It's, it's, it, 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 I think I think Vakken has taken um it's taken Castle Donington, isn't it? Because Donington back oh, yeah. in the day was what it was, where it isn't now, whereas now it's it's all about Vakken. Yeah, hundred percent. You must go. It's a quasi-religious experience. It's like a, it, it's like someone going to uh uh Metal Mecca Golgotha in Jerusalem or Mecca. It's a pilgrimage. I mean, and like you know, and the last 
couple of miles to Vakken, you should actually go better and flagellate yourself. <laughs> it really is a pilgrimage. It's it's a whole lot of effort to get there. Yeah, but, and that's my that's my one worry because I know none of my friends are willing to take that trip, but I would. Oh. But I was it's told that. It. Yeah, I was just told it's a journey to like, like once you arrive to the city, you have to like take trains and take this, that, the other thing. Yeah, you, that get, you go to Hamburg, then there's a train to another town, and then you get on a bus to another town. Getting on the bus is a fight <coughs> to get because there's just not enough buses for all the people. So everyone's trying to get onto these buses, and you are literally trying to drag people onto the buses to get to the festival. When you get there, and it's just like a village in the middle of nowhere. And there's like a couple of little shops, but the whole the whole community embraces it. You know, people are cooking breakfast in their front yard, and and you've got kids that you 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 give them a couple of euros, and they'll they'll put your beer in a little wooden cart and take it back to the festival site for you, and all that kind of thing. And it's an experience that is matched by nothing else. Yeah, I got to get there. Have. I I think I just have to travel a little bit more to build my confidence. Uh, being a, being an yeah, American sorry. and speaking yeah. English, I think that would be my only thing where I'm, I'm just like communication would you're, be a, like a scare of mine. You're fine, fine in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried I tried my very basic converse in German over there. And they'll just say, oh, you're English. Right, I'll talk to you in English because you're shit. Oh. <laughs> 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 they'll be like, no, that's fine. We, we, we speak better English than you lot speak German. Well, what, so. one one of the things that I liked in the documentary was, you know, people were talking about, you know, you go anywhere in the world and there's this fraternity and stuff. And like, you know, I've, I've had personal experience of that because I've lived in a few different countries and it, it's right. You can go into a, a bar um, and you have to speak the language, you know, you know, you can be wearing like a death t-shirt or a Metallica t-shirt or something. And people are like, Oh, there he's one of us, you know, and then they, they, you know, you can have a beer with them and just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he, not even if you speak the language so like you know that's that's always been cool i mean i remember going yeah. to a best best name for metal bar i've ever seen in seoul in south korea priest or sabbath and you go in and it's just got a wall of vinyl and you can just choose any record you want and they'll put it on for you and then it's got all the album posters all around the bar and they just get absolutely smashed on like soju and stuff like that and fucking awesome it's closed down now, unfortunately. That's Thank cool. You. There's there's a place uh, called Grill Em All around us. I'm I'm familiar with. That. I, yeah, I've I've seen the t-shirts and yeah, yeah, yeah. Grill Em All. Yeah, it's cool it, it, it's amazing how many things you can um, use heavy metal to kind of play on. Um, I think I want to I want to round this off with a, a quote from your film from Barney Greenway, who talking about how he. He still feels honoured to be doing what he does. And the old fans give the bands the stay in power and it's the new fans that are the future and keep them going forward. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things I got from your film was, you know, your old school guys, they're just, they're still very, there's a lot of, there's a lot of humility. They're all very humble about what they do. They still love what they're doing. I think that's the biggest thing I got from that. And the newer bands have got all that respect. You know, these bands that younger bands that will go on tour with the likes of like, Crowbar, I Hate God, and that feels huge to them. And that's the best thing I got from your film was 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 all of that sort of community. And as cheesy as that sounds, that's kind of what it's all about. And 
that's kind of my, my summary on it really. And that's what I really liked about it. So (coughs) that's, that's good. And I mean, like, I, I appreciate all you guys' positive feedback. I mean, like, I think it's really cool. Like, like talking to people that have have actually like watched it and they just, they got something out of it. You know I mean? Just like one quote that like hit them and they're just like, yeah, like that, that really means a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for everything. Like, and the, uh, the the dying feet of shit on the bus story as well. I, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't. You, you know what? That rung that rung bells with me because we had a similar incident with similar incident with a football club I support a few years ago, um, where where a turd was found on on our um, on our dressing room floor during half half time nice. of a match, and this was against our biggest rivals for a big knockout match, and we won. We beat them. Uh, and for ages, we didn't know who uh, who was responsible for that turd. But what our manager had done during that game is given it a big old Winston Churchill speech. Again, someone's dumped a turd, probably that lot. Go and beat them. And of course, you know, we're still in the top flight now. Anyway, it turns out it was our bus driver. Ah, it's <laughs> the bus drivers. So, yeah. But that bus it's driver, they haven't. They just cleaned that shit up. It's just, yeah, you, you wouldn't get that in any other form of music. It only happened in metal. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. A lot of like bloopers and funny stories came came along with like poop, which was really funny to me. Like, I... do you have any um metal pet peeves? Like, you know, pet hates. That... Oh yeah, yeah. Number one thing: don't wear a shirt if you don't listen to their music. Oh, oh nice. That's yeah. a big one these days. Yeah. That that's the biggest one for me. Like, I mean, that Slayer, uh, the poster behind you. I mean, I've seen so many people that wear that shirt. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, like, I, I'm like, yeah, you like Slayer, and then and then they're like, who? Like, I thought this was a brand. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the thing that pisses me off about it because you know, 20, 30 years ago, right? If you wore that shirt, or you wore a Megadeth shirt, or you wore a Pantera shirt, or anything else. What you're doing is like you're you're showing affiliation, and you're it's almost like if 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 you and me are in the supermarket and we walk past each other and we've both got a Pantera shirt on, 25, 30 years ago, you'd probably be able to say that guy's a legitimate fan. Now you just don't know, and it's and it's like and and it's sad really because it's it I I I think it's appropriation of, of our subculture, and I think it's offensive, and it needs to stop. Why the fuck are these people wearing our fucking shirts? Yes. They spent yes. generations taking the piss out of us for liking the fucking music. Yeah. And now they want to wear our fucking shirts. Fucking David Beckham, wasn't it? He was wearing he was me, me, Yeah, the fuck him, that cunt. Me and Tregenza single-handedly brought Jägermeister to the UK. <laughs> no, we did. We, but... we were drinking that stuff. Years before anyone found out about Jaeger bombs and stuff, because we saw it mentioned in the VH1 behind the music. We had to buy it in specialist um, shops, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we and we had to go to, to like a specialist wine importer to get it, and it cost us an arm and a leg. And then when we first drank it, we're like, "Fuck me, this is this is a bit bit shit." But you know, disgusting. it's good enough. It's good enough for Lars. It's cough medicine. It's cough medicine, isn't it? Yeah. yeah oh. Like, okay. If you drink it properly drink it the way it should be drink which is as in a morrow which is after a big meal it doesn't taste bad and you really do think ah it settles my stomach if you go and drink 12 shots and out of little test tubes or whatever you're asking for trouble 
Yeah, you're asking for it. I um I have a photo actually of us in 1999 at um, Metallica and Milton Keynes, and you've got that bottle of Jaeger in your hand. So 23 years ago, Jaegermeister in the UK, that was like fucking. It was like gold dust. So yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, man. You know, you're a long way away. It's the middle of the day for you. It's the middle of the night here. Um, it's cold. It's wet, and <laughs> yeah, probably not as cold as it is where you are, but. Um, thanks for coming on and giving us your time, man. It's uh, it's been fun. It's been. Yes. Um, do you do you have any um, other American friends that would like to come on? Yes, I, mean, I, offer, work. I offer okay. a special service, Padre's Absolution. So if if any of your friends have committed metal sin, then I can save their souls. Um, I like that, and, and, and give them penance. They have to come into the confessional to give me Padre's Absolution. Yeah, like I'm, I said, I'm going to a uh, I'm going to a wild boar festival tomorrow, up in the mountains. You have again. to shoot your own boar. No, well, no, because it's up well the the Indragita uh, mafia clans live, so these, they've probably you know killed the boars already. But it's going to be a mate. It's going to be Italian hog hog roast. That's amazing. So you're going to what, a concert tonight, and then you're going to a boar yeah, festival. Yeah, yeah. Like what? <laughs> I need to. I need to move out of the United say, States. Yes, what, what's happened? All of a sudden, you're the most sociable, and you know because now, you know of all of us. Now, now, now the, uh, the 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 uh, we've we've recovered from like the vicissitudes of COVID. There's this shit going on, you know. I mean, like I, I said to my wife about this like wild war festival, and she just looked at me. She goes, "What? You mean like shit actually happens here?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, more more than it does in Canada." Um, like I said, if you don't support it, it won't happen. So you've got to do your bit. No, it won't. I mean, I'm gonna gonna go down and, and preach from the good book later. That's amazing. But no, we don't want any of that. <laughs> yeah, man. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on. It's uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and um, good luck with uh, with with future projects. And make sure you keep us keep us involved. I've um, there's a link on our link tree to to the film. So anybody can just click on on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, uh, and go and watch it. But we're, we're metal fans. Whenever there's anything like that, it's always worth a watch. So, you know, get involved, go and check it out um, and enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun. So um, uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Maybe when you do the next film, come back on. Yeah. Tell us all about it, man. Yeah, of course. And then uh, just shoot me the links and I'll put this on my uh, website so uh, people can awesome. check it out. Awesome. All right, that's it. Um, we will... Uh, We'll see everybody next week. I believe next week um, Padre finally gets his way, and we're going to look at the relationship between heavy metal and wrestling. So that it's you won't be hear done. much from me, and you won't hear much from man. It'll all be him and his friend. And we've got we've got um, um, our expert on wrestling coming on, Mister Gavin Evans, um, to help me. Or actually, I'll be helping him. I think, but um, yeah, no, but there is there's a distinct link between it. I mean, it's, we're gonna have, we're going to have to talk about new metal. So unfortunately, but well, we seem to yeah, do that last week. So, but we'll. I mean, we'll like, next week. I mean, I mean, like, they really should have got like a death or a black metal band to come in and like write the theme tune for like the Undertaker or something. I mean, that was they've definitely missed the trick. But... Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's not. Wouldn't be mainstream enough, would it? It's, that's what you need. Oh, who cared? So, you know. But yeah, that's next week. So, um, thanks everyone for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week. Hey, see you guys later.